Sunday Golds. How's it going, everybody? Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you. We're going to do things a little bit differently here over the next couple of weeks and into the postseason. Uh, usually we have a, a nice setup with, with pretty uh, solid mics and a, a sound system and a mixer and, and the whole nine. And uh, unfortunately, we're both really busy now. Uh, Brett's going to be doing some things this summer in the Cape Cod. Um, writing uh, up there. That's, that's a pretty awesome opportunity and um, doing a lot of soccer stuff here in South Florida. So uh, just the schedules have, have made it for us to be kind of out of town here, but we're dedicated to continuing this podcast. Uh, thank God for Zoom. And, and we're really excited to, to keep talking about Florida State baseball. Brett, uh, you were at Hauser this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be up front with the, with the folks and the fans and the listeners that uh, I was calling uh, National Women's Soccer League uh, in South Florida. So other than following your tweets, uh, I'm a fan, too, of uh, Brett Nevitt's Twitter account and uh, following your coverage on Tomahawk Nation. Uh, you're the expert here, so I've got box scores and a few highlights to go off of. So I'll let you start things off here. Uh, the Knowles win two of three against Clemson. That's, that's a huge deal for the Seminoles. But obviously now the regional sites have already been announced. Florida State was not one of the 20 selected um, predetermined sites just, I mean, what's your initial reaction to that? And then when you couple it in with the, the strong weekend the Knowles had? Yeah, I just, at first I was personally shocked. I mean, when the grid came out, I looked it over and over again and just, I couldn't believe Florida State wasn't on it. Um, I mean, I just, it's hard for me to imagine some of these other teams that were on it and just, um, you know, everything that FSU has, has been about with regionals and, um, you know, just, I mean, some of these schools, barely have any fans of their games. I mean, it's just the only thing that really ended up mattering in this was RPI. Um, there were reports that I wasn't all going to be based on merit. Even if it was based only on merit, Florida State still should have got one. Um, you know, they're a top 16 team in every single ranking now. Um, they were tw top 20 in everybody's rankings last week when it came out. Um, I mean, just some of these other schools that were on it just made no sense. Um, the RPI makes no sense, but for some reason it was used as though it meant everything to college baseball um it had nothing to do with the eye test really it just was um you know one look at rpi and done basically i thought which was in my opinion kind of lazy on NCAA's part yeah no doubt we're gonna we're gonna actually dedicate a segment to the the top 20 sites being revealed uh when we put out the podcast for you guys last week uh we waited as long as we could to just try and uh, balance the timing of the podcast and, and we try to get them out to you guys efficiently uh, but the NCAA ended up announcing it on Friday instead of Thursday. And so um, we had already put an episode out. So we're going to dedicate a, a, a segment, excuse me, uh, to that. But let's, let's talk about Florida State versus Clemson here because now you're 28 and 19, you're 17 and 13 in the ACC. Brett, those are, those are uh, really strong records, especially in the ACC when you've racked up. Um, sorry, now you've got nine, excuse me, you've got 19 wins in the ACC, 17 and 13 going in. Um, so now you're 19 and 14 in the ACC, um, which only bolsters what I'm about to say. That's really hard to do in this league. And for Florida State, Brett, you've got to be impressed with the way they've played over the last about six weeks or so. Yeah, I think for a while we've been just saying that we feel like this team's trending in the right direction. And that was more of the same this weekend, I thought. And, um, you know, some up and downs within the weekend. But overall, I think Florida State showed that, you know, they're a resilient team. They got down in every game. Uh, Clemson scored in every first inning. Florida State still found a way to lead in every game and win two of those three games. Um, just overall, I thought it was a really good weekend for Florida State and, you know, kind of just keep proving, proving people wrong. And I think that's kind of the mentality this team has taken on at this point. They've been disrespected a couple times now nationally. And I just think that, um, you know, they're starting to play like a team that, you know, is, is trying to prove people wrong. And it's been fun to watch, I think. And I thought this weekend at Hauser was the best all season just from an atmosphere wise. And um, really fun to be in Hauser this weekend. Couple, a couple times where it felt like normal Hauser, um, you know, not that full capacity, but feeling, feel inching that way back towards there. And it was, it was really fun to see some um, of, of the big moments this weekend. Yeah. Big moments were, were there all weekend, Brett. Let's start with Friday, eight to three Florida state wins uh, a really back and forth game. Um, that the Knowles found a way to kind of punish the Tigers there in the bottom of the eighth. But let's start with Bryce Hubbard on the mound. Again, the Knowles pitching uh, fantastic on Friday. And, uh, this, the, you know, uh, Hubbard now pitching on Fridays uh, with Messick, who they had to kind of see and give him a few extra days of rest. 
Um, we had a few questions on how Hubbard would perform. You were very confident, and uh, he proved you right. Six innings of one earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts. Yeah, I just think this is an example of how interchangeable this staff kind of is, especially the weekend staff and all the talent they have. I mean, you know, Parker's dominated all season long on Fridays. You throw Bryce in there for one, for this start, and it, it's just more of the same. It's, um, you know, Bryce ran into some trouble in the first inning, limited it, and from that point on was really just, you know, cruise control. And, um, you know, that's always been Bryce's thing. If he gets through that first inning, um, you know, without a lot of damage, and he, I mean, he's going to post a good outing. And, you know, last five starts, he's, I mean, he's made five straight starts, at least five innings pitched, and two runs or less allowed. Um, one six one ERA over the last twenty eight innings in his last five starts. His ERA is down to three two six in the season. I mean, Bryce has got a case to be on some of these All ACC teams too. Um, I mean, he's been so. I mean, just the fact that he's been in Parker's shadow a bit, and um, you know, he wasn't in that rotation to start the year, kind of takes away a little bit from Bryce, but. He's given Florida State everything they could have imagined this year and a bit more. And um, just even, I mean, he was really good on Saturday, I mean, Friday night. And it was really good to see him step up into that role and, and give Florida State a quality outing the way he did. Yeah, no, without a doubt. When you put up a line like that, uh, a quality start, as you mentioned, um, that that really sets Florida State apart, folks. And that's why, you know, when, you, when we're talking about NCAA regionals, you're going to feel pretty confident with whoever Florida State runs out um, on that Friday night, right? Like game one, uh, usually you talk about saving your ACE for a, a potential game two. Um, and we've had that conversation. I think Brett, you and I in the past, uh, I don't remember if we've done it out here on the podcast. I think we might've spent five minutes or so talking about, do you save Parker Messick for a Saturday or do you run him out on a Friday? Uh, Bryce Hubbard's making, uh, making you feel like it really doesn't matter when you run Parker Messick out there because Hubbard's going to do the job. So you're, if you're Mike Martin Jr. and you're Jimmy Bellinger, uh, what an absolute treat it must be and what a, what a comfort it must be to have both of those guys that you can run out to. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, you go, I mean, going into fall and in spring, that's kind of what they expected. And, you know, they said, you know, this is going to be really tough to decide, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're struggling to decide. I mean, they had eight guys that they thought could – pitch on the weekends they've shown that multiple guys can pitch on the weekends this year and um you know it's I mean both these guys are going to be here next year too um not to look too far ahead but I mean just to think that you're going to get both these guys back and on top of some of the other guys you get back and some of the guys you get coming in I mean I mean next year there's gonna be no drop off with the staff especially the weekend staff if anything it's just going to get better and um to think it could get better um it's fun to think about I, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to that yeah, and then, uh, of course, uh, the game gets kind of tight there. Uh, two, uh, a home run by Sam Hall for Clemson makes it, I think it was, 4-3. to three. Uh, Kwiatkowski and uh, Jack Anderson. Again, uh, Anderson's becoming arguably the most valuable pitcher uh, on this staff. I'm not saying he's the, he's the best overall pitcher, uh, but he might be the most important piece to, to what you got going there, especially with the way that he bridges the game and um, can also kind of shut things down when you need him. Yeah, it was a bit of a Jesuit Tigers show on – Friday night, I think Nico had a multi-hit game. Clayton had two, you know, two-thirds of scoreless. And uh, Jack gives you six up, six down at the end of the game. But, yeah, I mean, Jack's just, you know, it, it's easy. It makes it look easy. It's just ground balls, ground balls, pounding the strike zone, six up, six down. Don't think he reached 30 pitches. Um, I think it was his fourth save of the year that day. Um, just, I mean, he's just made it look really easy lately at the back end of the bullpen and, um, you know, two strike counts and two innings, and Clayton got out the amount of a jam when they needed him to, and, um, you know, Chase still struggling a bit, but, you know, Chase is still going to be in that locker room and giving them what they need in that way and doing those things for them, so, um, you know, Chase is still an asset for them in that way, and Clayton is, you know, that veteran they they really needed so far in some of these big moments, and, um, you know, Jack's really starting just now to step up, and you're starting to see what he can be, and I think, you know, um, you know, he's going to be the guy to, at, the, at the back end of every game when it comes to postseason play. Yeah, and I think we, you know, we should definitely say congratulations to to Chase Haney, you know, on setting the all-time record for for appearances in a career. That's a, a very impressive mark, and I know Chase is definitely not having the season that um, he probably expected out of himself and, and what that staff, uh, the, the coaching staff expected out of him. Um, but I still think, you know, overall in his career, he's been fantastic for FSU. He's had some really strong campaigns. And um, truth is, 
you know, Chase Haney's going to be relied on in the postseason. I just don't see any way in which Florida State doesn't use him just because of that experience and just because of the, you know, just what he means to this team. Um, chances are, you know, there's going to be a big moment in a regional and, and they're going to count on Chase Haney to go out there and, and get the job done. And it, I don't think at that point, once you hit postseason, it doesn't matter what your ERA was in the regular season. That's brand new. Everybody starts out with a zero ERA um, for postseason. And, and you're just going to ask, you know, your top guy to execute uh, in that moment. But uh, congratulations to him uh, and his family. Uh, there was a Kevin Lynch is a, it's an all time Seminole grade. Now that's that's a big name in FSU uh, history. So for him to be able to pass him and, and hold that record. Um, Brad, I'm not sure we're ever going to see anyone have that many appearances uh, again, just because I also don't think we're going to have another person be at Florida State for six years. But uh, uh, congrats to him. And uh, again, Jack Anderson gets the job done. Uh, offensively, Brett, who stood out to you? Eight to three win on Friday. Yeah, I mean, blue guy, first of all, as we've, you know, I'm starting to term Logan Lacey, um, you know, just does everything for Florida State and, um, you know, sticks that lineup together at the top and, you know, he puts FSU on the board with a two-run double in the, in the third inning after a couple of mistakes by Clemson. Um, you know, I thought it was a good game for Robbie Martin, too. Not a huge stat line, but, I mean, um, you know, brings a huge run in and two-out single up the middle, and that's what we want to see. We want to see him using the middle of the field and opposite field. And Meade said after the game that he was really pleased with that, his at-bats and the way he was seeing the ball and his approach. And, you know, it, it wasn't a hugely productive weekend and average dropped again but I thought the swings were better I thought that bats were better I think it's going to start to come for him really soon and he's going to start to see hits drop I mean at one point in the weekend he had a line drive out of the middle and right at, right at shortstop so uh, for him I mean and he made a huge defensive play as well really nice leaping grab at the wall um, you know over the last years he's really turned himself into a good defender after coming in and really having to DH a lot so it's been good to see him do that um, you know like I said Nico had another two hit day I think it was his um, second multi game in his last three starts. Uh, it, you know, it's just, I think, you know, Lacey had another double at the end there to um, really put Clemson away. And, you know, Nelly followed him with another double of his own for his team high 13th. Uh, you know, Lacey's second on the team with 11. Uh, you know, Lacey's just, I mean, he's just a grinder. He does everything well, really. And, um, you know, really starting to see all the, you know, the kind of impact he has on this team. And um, I thought overall it was a good game for Florida State, well pitched. Um, thought they were good at the plate you know, worked 10 free passes and, you know, also produced eight hits. Um, overall, just a really good game, I thought, for Florida State. Yeah, five more hits for Logan and Lacey this weekend, five RBIs as well overall in the series. And uh, Shout out Nico Baldor, right? Uh, four hits on the weekend, and that's uh, one of those, you know, I don't like to call them plug-in plays just because um, I think the term can sometimes be demeaning to a, to a player, but um, Mike Martin Jr.'s gotten it right. Like, we've talked about this in the past. There have been times where – he's needed to kind of feel out needing a spark plug in that lineup. And more times than not, he has found the answer that works for a couple of weeks and at a time. So maybe Nico Baldor is the, is the one, you know, who gets hot for you into the postseason. And, and certainly he was big this weekend uh, as Florida state took two of three. Um, Knowles went eight to three, Brett on Friday, Saturday, a bit of a different story, but the Knowles, they led for uh, a large part of this contest really, um, I guess for Connor Grady, they jumped on him early. The Tigers did. Yeah. And I thought, um, you know, Connor did a good job of settling down after that. They just, you know, sometimes teams really come out swinging against Connor and it's kind of the book on him. Cause you know, he's going to pound the strike zone and, you know, his stuff can be hittable at times, but once Connor settles in, you know, that's when you're really going to struggle and when he's got all three pitches going, but you know, early, I don't think he had all three pitches going yet. And it took him a little bit to settle in and they kind of took advantage for three runs in the first there. I um, mean, you know, I think they had back-to-back -back singles and um, a double down the line and another, you know, two-outer, you know, a hit after that as well that made it 3-0. Um, you know, after that, I mean, Connor didn't – I mean, worked four straight innings of, of you know, scoreless ball before the fifth inning. Um, you know, didn't get help from the bullpen. Just an erratic game from the bullpen. Um, you know, these are coming about once every two weekends now. But, um, you know, once it comes to postseason play, I don't think that's going to be what we're going to see – a ton from this bullpen, mostly because Florida State will just, you know, I think the roles are still being defined. I think once we get into postseason play, you're going to see them more defined. Um, you know, Hunter Purdue came in after Grady. I didn't think he was awful, but uh, Purdue's struggles come out of the stretch sometimes because his legs get a little quick, I think, trying to, you know, get home fast as possible. And he was a bit erratic, and Nelly was really having trouble controlling him behind the plate. And, you know, they had a cross up as well. And, 
you know, Purdue get, I mean, Nelson gets hit right in the, right in the chest with a fastball on a cross up thinking it's curveball, And they took him out there and, you know, they tie the game up on a couple wild pitches. Um, and then, you know, the next inning gets off to a really rough start. They bring in Crowell. He can't get a bat around. And you also have an error on what would have been a double play ball, which would have limited the damage a lot. Um, just, it was just a sloppy last few innings of that game. And, um, you know, not the end of the world is, you know, it's, it's Saturday and good to see them come back and respond the next day, but it was just all over the place in the last few innings there. And, you know, we've seen that kind of happen a couple times now, but it hasn't been a, you know, it hasn't been a day-to-day theme. It's kind of been a, you know, one of those things that happens a couple times a week or once a week. And, um, you know, I mean, I've heard you touched a hundred, I think too. So, you know, you saw the stuff there, but you know, he's got to command it, but it is the stuff you want to see. Quell was still 92, 94, but, you know, was just having a couple seeing eye singles. Um, you know, Jonah got them out of one of those innings, did a good job of, you know, limiting that damage, keeping them tied in the, in the six. Um, I thought Ahern was pitching well until a two out walk. Um, you know, Davis was okay, but gave up a homer to Grice, but he got, I mean, through, I think, you know, B walk was really the one in this game that was a positive on the mound because, you know, works this one, two, three, eighth inning and up to, I mean, sitting 96, 97 with the fastball. Um, we haven't seen that from B walk in a while. We always knew it was there, but, you know, also hammer curveball. That was really good to see and see him pounding the strike zone. Um, I think B walk will be used more moving forward to give him some more opportunities. Yeah. And if anything, Brett, Brenda Walker is gaining not just valuable experience that's helping Florida state win games and, and really, you know, big moments, but you know, his future is, is being developed here because Brenda Walker is going to mean a lot. So I think FSU's pitching staff, especially next season, um, for him, the, the, the NFC graduate, uh, from Tallahassee. Um, but yeah, so nine to five Clemson wins, they scored the final six runs of the game, um, sixth inning and on. So, um, I misspoke earlier when I said Florida state had a lead for, you know, for a large part of the game, they really didn't, they were down three to one until the bottom of the fifth when Elijah Cabell hit, uh, a massive tank to, to center field, a grand slam, um, to take that lead, I think five to three in the moment. Just can you, Brett, put put it into perspective for Florida State fans right now when Elijah's going three for five with four RBIs? And um, if that bat is consistent for FSU the way it has been, how does that just change the entire complexion of this lineup? I mean, there was a time when Elijah stepped to the plate and, I mean, it was kind of like, is he going to strike out? Looking at a strikeout swinging. But now every time when Elijah steps to the plate, you know, you're saying, is the homer going to go out to center or right or left? Where is it going to go? Um, every time he steps up in a big moment, he's producing a big hit. You know, he's been a big time player lately. Um, really for the whole season, if you think about it, I mean, you know, tied a career high with three hits this game, you know, grand slam comes with two ounce and, you know, it's two strikes and gets a slider. that's not even a bad pitch down in the zone, you know, crushes it to dead center and winds blowing in and it still leaves the yard and a no doubter. Um, I was feeling really good about my sweet prediction when this happened. Um, I was thinking, you know, four states are run away with this now, but when you don't get that shutdown and we'll shut down inning after that, it hurts and momentum swings quickly. But yeah, I mean, Elijah is just, I mean, he's a big time player right now. Nobody wants to see him step to the plate. Um, he's 25th in the NCAA now with homers per game. So, um, the power is really starting to play. It's been fun to watch. Um, this is the player that we all thought Elijah could be at this point and starting to see it. And, um, if Nelly and Robbie can click it back into gear and, you know, Nelly hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been, you know, you know, has a home run in a little bit now. But, you know, when those guys really all start to click at the same time, it's, 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 it's got a chance to be um, really special, you know, especially when you've got Lacey and, and, and T. Martin in front of them as well. So um, also another good game from Lacey. He had home run to get them on the board his fifth of the season. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Elijah's been as good as it gets lately, and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah. Um... I think batting average for Elijah, if I get this pulled up, 287. Um, yeah, that, that puts a smile on my face. Uh, you can't you can't see it when you're listening to a podcast, but that kid's work really hard, folks. I mean, he is like like Brett said. There was a time where I think he was having the mental yips. I mean, I've heard some stories, you know, of of how much you know it, it hurt Elijah to not kind of be playing up to the standard that a lot of people expected because he came in as a very very highly rated recruit. I mean, that's a, it's a kid that people had expectations for, uh, LSU wanted him, you know, it, over there in Baton Rouge, Paul Maneri wanted him. It was ultimately Elijah deciding that he didn't want to wait behind a crowded outfield, um, that led him to Florida state. 
Uh, and it took a few years, but this is the Elijah Cabell. I think draft scouts are also starting to like salivate over 287 with a, a power that's 80 grade out of 80. Uh, that's, that's something you can work with, Brett. Uh, Elijah's definitely, I think, skyrocketing up the draft force here for the summer draft. I mean, he's got a 1.053 OPS now. Um, you know, you see scouts and BP sitting down the right side. And, you know, in the fall when I was at practices, you know, scouts would always say, you know, is Elijah going to hit today? Is Elijah going to hit today? You know, everybody just wants to see Elijah and what he can do. Um, you know, him and Nelly always get that attention over the right side and Robbie on the left. And, um, yeah, Elijah's just got jaw-dropping ta talent and it's starting to show. And um, I don't think it's going to stop. I think I think this is something that – he's shown now that it's going to be a constant thing and he's going to be an, an everyday impact player for Florida state moving forward. Yeah. All right. So Florida state drops this one, uh, nine to five, um, moving into Sunday. It's a, a big opportunity for Florida state, right? Uh, the regional standings or the regional, you know, sites have come out. You're not on that 20. Um, you could have packed it in. You could have kind of said, you know what? Well, the season now really doesn't matter for us. Um, it's really not about the regular season anymore. Um, we're just going to kind of go through the motions, but FSU didn't do that and give them credit because they could have, right? You had Parker Messick who had his start move to Sunday just due to some back spasms that, that they know they were working on, uh, to make him feel healthy a hundred percent. Um, so he starts in an uncomfortable situation, you know, for him, he's on a Sunday, uh, it's a little bit different. It's a rubber match. Um, and you know, while folks, you know, might say, well, what's, what's the, you know, what's the big deal? Why is that a big deal? Uh, because it's just different. You know, you've got your, you had your routine thrown off and pitcher and pitchers are creatures of habit. Um, Parker Messick has a mentality to go out there on a Friday and kind of be the bulldog to start things off for every weekend. He prepares for that role. He spent a lot of the off season preparing for that role. Uh, to get moved to a Sunday, a little bit different. And, you know, I, I know there was some bad luck there, Brett, uh, for the Knowles in that first inning. But uh, the Tigers got to Parker in a way I think uh, we haven't seen a team get to Messick. And, and really, actually, I don't think we've seen it all season except for maybe game one against UNF. Yeah, and I thought Parker was a lot a lot better than his line. I mean, um, you know, first thing, it's first guy on and then back to black, back to back singles. Both of those could have been outs. And, I mean, you could have had a one, two, three inning. You know, instead you got runners on first, second, and now and Caden Grice lines a double into the opposite field gap. Um, you know, Hawkins falls with the single through the left side of the infield that was pulled in, probably coming and out. And if they're not pulled in, but um, and then you know another another run scores an unearned after an error. Um, but then after that, I mean Parker was cruising, uh, didn't allow a hit through the two, you know, second through fifth innings. Um, had a retired third string straight batter, struck out first two batters, sixth inning, and you know, gets up 0-2 on a guy and, um, you know, just kind of was, I think it was a little amped up and trying to get that strikeout so much and, you know, ends up walking him and, you know, I think two pitches later gives up a homer to a guy. I think it's his first career homer. Um, you know, that was the first homer that Parker had allowed in 63 innings. Um, it was coming. It was just, I mean, at some point it was going to happen and, um, you know, it bit him there and it, you know, put Florida State back down 6-5 in the sixth inning. Um, you know, Parker gives up five earned runs, but he struck out 10, only gave up six, only walked one. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, it's no worry for me. I don't think it's, it's just, it happens. It's, it's, you know, that was common. I mean, if Parker hadn't given up more than two earned runs since his very first start of the season, he, I mean, he still gave you six innings. He's given you five plus innings pitched every single outing since his first one. Um, you know, this is still an ace. It's still your ACC pitcher of the year, I think. Um, still doesn't really get much better than Parker and, uh, you know, he's going to be back to his normal self the next time he's out there. I mean, it's, it's Parker Messick, man. It's like, he's a bulldog and you never really have to worry about Parker. Yeah. So, uh, Parker goes out there, uh, six innings, uh, the sign of a, an elite pitcher is even when you don't have, you know, I don't even say he didn't have his best stuff. Cause it probably, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it, but if you have 10 strikeouts to one walk, I think your stuff was more than good on the day. Um, maybe you just didn't get the same baseball luck that you're accustomed to getting sometimes, right? Like, like things happen for Parker to be able to just kind of battle and give you 110 pitches, um, and six innings is a sign of a kid that's a mature pitcher. I mean, he's mature beyond his years on that mound. And, uh, he gave you a quality start and Brett, you mentioned it. Uh, he looked dominant from the second inning to that sixth inning. I mean, he's, 
you know, one out away from getting you through six uh, and another quality start, right? Earned runs would have been um, at that number uh, for, for a quality start and he would have gotten you through six. So um, the bats, I think, though, for FSU were the story. And let's talk a little bit about how big it was for FSU to, to come back in the second inning and put up that three spot. Because I'm looking through um, the play-by-play here and the names that are popping out at me, Brett, are the ones that will put a smile on your face to see them being the ones contributing. Uh, Dylan Simmons has been struggling all year to just get a chance. Um, for him to hit a double down the left field line to start things off for you, uh, and then Nander and Jackson Green coming through, that bottom of your order being the three that were the catalyst for the so-called comeback had to be a, a big a big boost for this team. Yeah, I mean, this whole game was bottom three and Tyler Martin really and um, those guys being resilient and, you know, six hole had some good things going as well. I think six through nine were seven for 15 with five runs scored, five RBIs, four walks, just one walk. I mean, strike count, two doubles. Um, I mean, the bottom third really drove this game for Florida State and it was really fun to watch. It was good to see some of those guys break through. I mean, Dylan Simmons last few games, uh, I think I'd been saying it after last week, I thought, you know, he needed a couple days a week or one day a week to get chances. I liked the way he was swinging the bat, liked the way he was taking some pitches, you know, responded really well to getting the start. Doubles in his first at bat. Nander falls with a single up the middle. You know, Greeny rips rips a fly ball to the deep left center field gap. Um, thought he might have his first at Hauser, but um, goes for a double, you know, cuts the lead in half right there. Then Tyler comes through with a single to, you know, drive him in as well and, you know, make it a one-run game. Um you know, I think it was Jackson's third double of the season and all three have come this week, I believe. Um, you know, he also had a, you know, I think he had another single in the fifth inning as well. Third multi-hit game in the last five games for Jackson. Um, and I mean, Jackson Green's, the hitting wasn't even the best part of his day. I mean, the defense was unbelievable. It, it was, I mean, he made a couple of unbelievable plays, you know, had a diving stop in the middle, makes a throw from his knees, gets running out by a mile, it seemed like, um, you know, had another play that was, um, and bare hands would play up the middle on 10 the inning and, you know, another one, two, three inning. It was at that point for Parker. Um, and he's just been a vacuum all year at second base. And it really is the wrong guy to hit it to just one error through 43 games. He's played, um, you know, bat is really starting to work for him. Um, you know, Tyler was, I think Tyler had three hits on the day. Um, so, I mean, just to all, you know, those guys working with Tyler in that game was really fun to watch. And, um, you know, when Tyler's going at that well, um, it's a top, tough order to stop. And, you know, we've said all year, but when Florida State is going to get contributions from the bottom third of the order, um, you need to watch out because that's when this team is really going to start to go. I mean, Dylan also had three walks. Um, you know, Tyler, three for five. He's got two RBIs. He's got himself a double, let, let off the eighth inning with a double to start the rally there. And, you know, Davis Hare, your good old pinch hitter swinging at the first pitch fastball. You like to see that. Um, you know, drives in two runs to give you an eight-six lead. Lacey comes through again, gives you another um, for some more insurance. Um, just overall, extremely good play, good day at the plate. Um, it was one of the better days at the plate of the whole season, I thought. And you really didn't get much from two through five for most of the game. I mean, you produced twelve hits, walked nine times, and you struck out just six times. So. You know, overall, I thought it was a good game. I thought it really should have been a blowout. I didn't think Parker Messick pitched bad as his line shows. I thought he pitched pretty well. Um, I just think this is a resilient bunch, man. Like, I think it's I think it's a sign of meat. You know, these guys, I think, have played hard for him for this year for the most part. And, um, you know, I think that makes you excited about what this team could do on the road in the postseason. Yeah, especially if you're, you know, your second baseman who at one point was hitting 135. Uh, against Notre Dame in that Sunday game uh, has his average jump of 35 points to 170. Uh, he's got six base hits in his last uh, three contests. Let's see uh, in his last week, sorry, uh, in the last five. So you take that from Jackson, you know, Brett mentioned, you know, uh, how elite his defense is. So um, maybe this is the time of year for Jackson green to kind of put it all together. Uh, again, like we talk about when you get into postseason ball, uh, which you will after this weekend against NC state, your averages don't matter anymore. It's a, it's a new season. Uh, what matters is that weekend, can you get out of it? Can you move on to a super regional? And you're going to need all hands on deck. So good to see you from Jackson Green uh, doing his job. Logan Lacey's playing well, as Brett mentioned, um, here especially late. And if you can get Robbie Martin going too, uh, that that adds to what Matt Nelson and Elijah Cabell have done for you consistently this season um, with what Tyler Martin has also been able to provide from the leadoff spot. So Knowles win this one 9-6, to six, Brett. Uh, 
just the resiliency, as you mentioned, uh, we, we don't need to talk about the bottom of the eighth, I don't think, a whole lot. I, I think you summarized it up pretty well. Uh, Florida State just – they could have folded, right? Like Clemson came back and took the lead, and it's like, oh, man, Clemson's about to win this series. And FSU just – they just wouldn't go down. They, they wouldn't go down. Tyler Martin started it off for you in that inning, and um, to, keep it, to keep it rolling through all the way, um, Tyler Martin almost <laughs> – almost hit a grand slam to really put a punctuation mark on the inning um, flew out to what the middle of the warning track, almost the wall there in right center. Um, and that would have really been the icing on the cake for that inning for FSU, but a four spot in the bottom of the eighth. Once again, Jack Anderson comes in and he is, he is the guy that they're going to go to late in the contest. If it map, if the game matters and you have a chance to, to kind of put things on ice, I think Jack Anderson's the arm they're going to roll out there going towards the end. But are we starting to see a theme here of about, you know, three or four pitchers that we can expect to see in every big situation for FSU down the stretch? Because Kwiatkowski was brought in again by Meade as well. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I still don't think that's, you know, a thing that's final. I think the only thing that's final really, and, you know, they haven't said it is either, but I think the only thing that's final is really that Jack's going to be that, that guy in the last three innings there. If, if it's a close game, that they're going to bring him in you know, if he's rested up and ready to go. But, I mean, I think you still see Purdue. You're still going to see um, Kwiatkowski a lot. Like you said, you're probably still going to see Chase in those, you know, matchup spots. Same, you know, you're still going to see you're going to see Jonah as well in those matchup spots. You think, you know, those veterans are really going to be the guys they rely on in postseason, I think. But, um, you know, I think Ross Dunn will still get used a bit. And I don't think Crowell should be put away just because of one bad outing either. And, um, you know, Tyler here, and I think needs to be moved more still moving forward. I think B walk needs a couple more opportunities. Um, I mean, it's just such a, such a long line of names you can, you can throw out with this bullpen. And, you know, that's why I'm not worried about them in postseason play. I know they've struggled a bit lately, but I'm still not worried about them in postseason play because I think meat's going to use them in the right way. And I think they're going to finally find out an exact way they want to use them. Um, you know, I think Hunter Purdue is a guy that needs to come into clean, clean innings, not a guy that's a, um, you know, gets you out of it, you know, comes in and has to throw out of the stretch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just so many names you can throw out there. I don't think it's going to be um, just three or four guys out of the pen when it comes to postseason play. All right. So, Brett, anything you want to wrap up uh, the weekend with? Knowles win two out of three, 28 and 19, uh, 19 and 14 in the ACC. Uh, the Knowles, again, continuing their success against the Clemson Tigers at Hauser. Um, 29 base hits in three games. That'll that'll work. Uh, the bats, if they're heating up, that's a good sign for us. Uh, so, Brett, any other last touches before we move on to previewing uh, a big matchup against NC State? I was just going to say Florida State's nine and three on Fridays this year so far. Um, you know, five straight series won now. I think they've won eight of 11 series in ACC play. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have said this has been a frustrating year, but honestly, this team's been pretty consistent. And, um, you know, this is going to go down as one of the better regular seasons in a couple of years, I think. Yeah, especially when you consider, too, that um, I think folks need to also understand, like, the Knowles are playing two less non-conference series than normal. Um, a lot less midweek games than normal. So for those of you saying, you know, uh, 28 wins is not enough and uh, they're not going to get to 40 this season and extend the streak. Well, this season has an asterisk, an asterisk next to it because you're not going to get enough games for you to really get to 40 unless you go on a major, major run and this team could still do it. Who knows? Um, but when I look at 28 wins right now with where FSU's at, I mean, it could easily be what 34, 35 in a normal year. And if you want to talk about one run ball games where luck hasn't been on your side um, a whole lot. Yeah. This FSU team could have 37, 38 wins at this point in the year um, in a normal 56 game season. It is a very good baseball team folks. Uh, and if you want to judge this team accurately, do what Brett and I have been telling you to do on this podcast for well over a month now. Look at the weekend series. And Florida State's winning weekend series after weekend series after weekend series. Um, and, and they're doing their job well, Brett. So we move on to NC State, and this is another opportunity to take on a, a hot Raleigh, uh, Raleigh Wolfpack, NC State Wolfpack team that, um, gosh, uh, Elliot Avent, I mean – Oh this this isn't yeah this isn't going to be a lot of fun. Seminole fans know about him. Um, he is uh, he is a tough son of a gun to deal with um, as the manager, uh, the head coach of NC State. And um, I will say though, this is different for NC State, Brett. They are usually the ones to melt down towards the end of the year. They start hot, 
and they usually fade off. This year they fit, they you know they started off terribly and they have been ridiculous in the ACC really since the midway point of the year. Yeah, I mean NC State is as hot as anybody in the country right now. Um, they're nine and one in their last ten games. I think they're sixteen and five in their last twenty-one ACC games. Um, you know, looking at their, their, you know, their, their splits here, that's kind of weird because they're fifteen and three away from home and eleven eleven at home. Um, that's probably the best away record in the entire country right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess Florida State's going to where NC State, NC State doesn't like to play at home. And Florida State likes to play on the road. So optimism, I guess, is maybe they're not that hot at home. But they're just hot on the road. Yeah, Brett, uh, they're coming off of a sweep on the road against Pitt, um, who was uh, a regional hopeful. Uh, I'm not, I think Pitt might have been knocked out of uh, the top 16 there after that sweep. That's a, that's a big knock uh, for Mike Bell's group. Um, but nonetheless, it's impressive for NC State. I think their only series loss in like two months is at Notre Dame, where they lost two out of three. Um, and they lost the Friday game by one run. So they almost won that series. Uh, but their offense is on fire. They started, I think, ACC play, what, one and eight. And now they are sitting at um, 17 and 13. So if you want to do that math, they're 16 and five in their last 21 ACC games. That is really, really dang good. Um, 26 and 14 overall. Uh, they are now pushing uh, to be uh, potentially um, – one of the best teams in the league in terms of the standings. I mean, they have a chance now to, to be one of those top four seeds in the ACC tournament. And folks, uh, Brett and I, you know, we have talked about how Florida state should feel upset that the regionals were announced so early and that, you know, the last few weeks of the season won't matter. Well, NC state, um, if this was a normal year, NC state would be barreling towards being a regional host themselves. Because I look at their RPI, which apparently the, the committee loves, and NC State's now 29th in the RPI. Um, they've got, you know, 17 conference wins. And so they very much, I think if this was a normal year again, Brett would be being mentioned in those articles about on the bubble to host. They're right there for the mix. This is a team you got to keep an eye on because of the way that they're finishing late. So uh, it's going to be a tough weekend for, for Florida State on the road. But again, like you mentioned, Brett, the Knowles, have played well on the road. In your opinion, what, what's your theory on why FSU has done better away from Tallahassee? I, I think it started with Virginia Tech and, um, you know, all the trash talk there. And I think this team just kind of took on the mentality of, um, you know, kind of that underdog mentality. And I think they just play well together away from home. I think they, you know, bond together on the road. And, you know, this team, it just seems like they don't, they don't care what people say about them. They don't care what, you know, what these fans say about them. And they just want to, you know, just kind of come in there and, and spoil your party a little bit. And, um, you know, this team has fun on the road. Like you can see it. They, they bring the energy on the road. It's been good to watch. And it's one of the reasons that I really am excited to see what, you know, what junior can do with this program. Cause so far these dudes have shown that they, that, you know, they're going to go out and play hard for them and they're going to play as a team. And, um, you know, that's been really good to see this year so far. Yeah, it really has. And FSU's record on the road, as you mentioned, Brett, uh, really strong. Um, all right, so game times. It is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, folks. For those of you, if you guys pop this on um, later tonight here on Wednesday or early Thursday morning and uh, you don't realize that the game is being played on Thursday, um, let this be a reminder. Uh, because of the ACC tournament, the league has always done this. They play the final weekend of the regular season. Uh, on, they started on Thursday and they ended on Saturday to give everybody that Sunday off. So 6.30, both uh, Thursday and Friday. And uh, Saturday will be a 1 o'clock first pitch. The matchups, I believe, are Reed Johnston going up against Bryce Hubbard. Uh, then it'll be Sam Highfill going up against Connor Grady. Uh, the Knowles are opting to uh, keep Parker Messick um, as the third starter. But... Uh, Parker will now pitch on a Saturday instead of a Sunday um, as they work him back into his normal um, his normal routine of, of trying to get him back to Fridays, if that's what the Knowles choose to do in the postseason um, with Parker Messick. Um, Brett, all right, NC State, 26 and 14. When you look at some names uh, in their lineup, uh, 290 is a team with 67 home runs they can really rake. And this team can rake and they can field the heck out of the ball. Um... 985 fielding percentage as a team. Um, 
and 290 average, like you said, uh, 501 slug. Uh, this team is carried by their position players. I mean, these he's got a lot of dudes that can hit the heck out of the ball. I mean, Johnny Butler has been one of the best players in the ACC this year. He's hitting 387. Um, also has 11 bombs. Uh, also 12 stolen bases. Does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Luca Tresh has always been one of those, you know, the better catchers in the ACC. Isn't having a great year, but still a dangerous guy you need to watch out for. Uh, Tyler McDonough has been really good of late in 327. Another guy with a hot, you know, 625 slug. He's got 12 homers. Leads the team with 12 homers. Um, Austin Murray's got 319, leading the team with 13 doubles. Um, yeah, they, they, I mean, they've got homers up and down the lineup. They got, you know, nine homers from Trash, nine homers from Devontae Brown, nine homers from Terrell Tatum, 11 from Butler, 12 from McDonough, seven from Murr. I mean, it's a dangerous lineup up and down. It's going to be one of the better lineups for safe faces all year. Um, you know, they don't not going to beat themselves either it seems. So, you know, Florida state's going to have to score some runs this week. Um, but you know, I think Florida state can score, score, you know, a good bit against the, you know, NC state pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the the weaker point, um, for their program, uh, this season. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Brent, they got five guys with at least nine home runs, uh, and another kid who's hitting seven. So, uh, they run a little bit too. They got four guys with at least eight steals, uh, three guys with double digits stolen bases. So not afraid to, to get going there. And, um, man, they're, they're going to be tough, but you know what, if there's any, if there's any, um, matchup that I think you feel okay about, uh, even with the great lineup is that Florida State's pitching staff is so good that maybe you can neutralize their offense enough, um, to give your bats a chance against what is not as good of a pitching staff on the other side. So, Let's talk about some of those guys uh, on their on the mound. 504 team ERA. Uh, that's not very good. One of the worst in the ACC. Uh, Reed Johnston is a solid pitcher. He has been there for a couple of years. I think at one point he was either he won the ACC freshman uh, of the year, ACC freshman pitcher of the year, uh, or uh, was definitely like in the finalists. But this season, 429 ERA, six and two record, uh, 65 innings. And uh, he's given him 31 earned runs. Batter is hitting 227 off of Reed Johnston. I believe he's like a 6'3 right-handed pitcher. Um, 15 walks, 56 strikeouts. Uh, so not a guy who's going to walk a ton of batters. I have his line up here um, of his last couple of starts. He's been hit. He's given up nine hits, I believe, a couple of times in the last few weeks. So um, he's definitely a guy I believe will pitch to contact and try and fill up the strike zone. Yeah, this is another one of those weird staffs in the ACC that uses, like, no pitchers, just uses the same guys over and over again. And I was kind of talking a little bit to Eric Allen earlier, and we were just talking about how Florida State's really got – is one of the only ACC teams that has a traditional pitching staff and, you know, three guys that have been there all season long. Um, you know, had the TBA last week. That's only because of Parker's injuries. But other than that, I mean, it's been the same basically all year. Um NC State's only got five guys that have thrown 15, more than 15 innings. Um, I mean, they've got five, the 65 innings, 46 innings, 62, 65, 38. Next closest is 12 innings. Um, so you're basically just going to see five guys this week. And, you know, Johnson's going to start one game. Highfield's going to start one. Um, you know, the other one's TBA, but they've got Matt Wildson started nine games so far. Chris Villeman started seven so far. Evan Justice has started four. You know, it's going to be those five guys the whole weekend. And, um, you know, NC State gives up some homers. You know, average against is an awful, only 244. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a weird staff to figure out because you're basically going to be facing the same guys all, all week long. So um, I think Florida State will be pretty prepared for the guys they're going to get. Um, I think that, you know, two right-handed pitchers, that favors for Florida State, I think. And, um yeah, I just think Florida State will, will, you know, get some balls out of the yard this week and at NC State and, and do some damage there in the lineup. That is a park, by the way, that if you have not uh, been to Raleigh uh, or have not seen games uh, on television, uh, I believe it's called Doak Park. Um, and they have like a, a miniature kind of green monster vibe going on there in left field, or I think it's like, um, and Eric Lou Allen will probably be able to tell you more of this on the radio broadcast. He explains it well. But their left field is really short, um, and they have like a, a mini monster, so to speak, of like advertisements that go up, but that still counts as in play. But if you hit it, that's kind of like the Hauser right field is in left for them. Then like 
Uh, and it lasts a long way from like left to like really deep left center. And then centers, uh, you got to really get it to get it out. And then right field, uh, again, right to right center um, has some opportunities to hit some home runs. Uh, they got a beautiful scoreboard out in right field that Drew Mendoza uh, hit a ball over one year. Um, his freshman year, he hit an absolute missile um, that was that cleared that scoreboard that's like 30 feet high. Um, so it's a nice park. They have a, a rabid fan base. NC State fans love their, their wolf pack. They will make some noise. It's one of the more underrated atmospheres in the ACC. And uh, I believe now with a lot of, you know, the NCAA announcing that they can have full 100% capacity for um, postseason events, you wonder if that makes some schools comfortable to start allowing, uh, if not 100%, closer to a 50 or 75%. So I expect it to be a, a raucous environment this weekend uh, with NC State. But um, the Knolls are going to have to play well. And I think that's the type of atmosphere, Brett, that the Seminoles um, would love to be in, similar to the Virginia Tech series. And uh, it, it just seems like that, that Florida State really feeds off of opposing crowds. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think, um, you know, they won't be phased there. And um, it's, it's just kind of business trip style this year, it seems like. And, you know, they've taken care of business on the road a lot. And, um, you know, I just – I can't get over how NC State's so good on the road and just has this 11-11 record at home. But, um, you know, they don't strike out a ton of guys. They um, – you know, I think this is the week Florida State could really break out offensively. Last week was good as well, too. But you're definitely going to need to put up some runs in NC State. No matter how good your pitching staff is, these guys are going to score some runs, I think. And, um, you know, FSU's team averages 244, and NC State allows a 244 average. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a close series overall, but probably another high-scoring weekend a bit. Um, interested to see how Florida State can, you know, grind out some of these close games, especially with – uh, you know, you know, the postseason play coming up right around the corner after that. Um, but, you know, when, when NC State is up after seven, they're, you know, 26 and one. So, you know, 19 and two after six. So definitely a team you need to jump on early, I think, and, you know, take advantage of, um, you know, you know, your Florida State's definitely going to have the advantage starter wise. So I think they need to get ahead early and, um, you know, hopefully just ride those into the late game. Yeah. And then that, that second game, uh, it'll be high fill, uh, 465 ERA. Uh, 11 starts, four and two record, 62 innings, 32 earned runs, uh, batters hitting 240 off of him. He has given up nine home runs. Um, that's something, by the way, that jumps out to me about some of these uh, NC State starters. They do give up some home runs. Um, but 19 strikeouts, 54, 19 walks, 54 strikeouts for uh, Matt. Uh, excuse me, I lost my spot here. Sam Highfield, 17 walks, uh, 57 strikeouts in 62 innings. So, um, a guy that, you know, pitched pretty well for them against the Pittsburgh Panthers. And another righty, though, Brett, that I think FSU will take. You got Connor Grady going on the mound Saturday. And then Sunday, NC State has a to-be-announced. Uh, Florida State will go back to Parker Messick. But again, you have to feel really good, right? If you go into Sunday and the series is one-to-one, you feel like you have the advantage with uh, what could be and, and is the leader in the clubhouse, I think, for ACC Pitcher of the Year in Parker Messick. Yeah, for sure. And I'm interested to see how Florida State uses him and um, wasn't really on our pitch count last week, so got up to 110. But with, you know, that ACC tournament following right away and, um, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to hold the reins. I think they want to win this series. And, um, you know, it would be interesting if Florida State won the first two, how they handle it or or what. But, um, you know, when it comes to NC State, I mean, they're I think they're 21 and one when the opponent scores less than six runs. So you're going to have to score some runs this week for sure. I mean, they're, they're only, you know, when they only score, you know, when they score less than six runs, they're only six and 11. So, um, you know, if you can minimize their damage a bit and, you know, put up some damage, I think you've, you've got a good chance here this weekend. But as we said, you know, this team has been on fire lately. Yeah, they really have. And they're playing well and into their postseason. Um, and it'll be senior weekend for them um, in Raleigh. So, all right, 6.30, 6.30, 1 o'clock, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I believe all three as of now are scheduled to be on ACC Network Extra. Um, and we'll have to see if, you know, the ACC Network decides to pick any up last minute uh, and move it to uh, linear, which is also known as national uh, television. So, all right, Brett, well, let's talk a little bit about the NCAA picture. Um, I guess I should, should I ask you, do you want to make a prediction on this one? Um, 
I'll go FSU two out of three. I think I also will go Florida State two out of three. I, I just like the way FSU plays on the road. I don't really think they care about records or how good you feel right now if you're the other side. It just doesn't matter to Florida State. And they have a point to prove, in my opinion, as well. So, yeah, Brett and I both got the Seminoles two out of three. Um, Brett? I think we want to run, run through some scenarios with this weekend and ACC tournament seeding first. Yeah, sure. Um, so, if Florida State wins the series, um, they're guaranteed a top four spot. Um, you know, we've talked about before the top four automatically at the tiebreaker and pool play, um, which would be huge Florida state. I mean, for example, if they won their first game and, you know, Hubbard's pitching that first game, then, and, you know, other team loses, you know, the team that you beat wins the next game, then you have a free, you know, complete buy the next game. Basically you don't have to throw one of your starters. So that tiebreaker would be huge. Um, you know, Florida state, I think would be guaranteed the number three spot if they swept and Louisville did not sweep, but NC state would leap Florida state. If they won the series, um, Louisville would leap Florida state if they win a series and, and FSU doesn't. So if Louisville and NC, if Louisville wins their series and Florida state does not win their series, then, um, you know, Florida state will not be in that top four, but at worst Florida state will be seven with one win at worst. There are six. Um, but I think, you know, if you take care of your own business this week, you don't have to worry about everything else. So um, those are a couple of the scenarios for you know ACC tournament so far. Yep. And the ACC tournament, a weird format that they went to uh, a few years back. It just feels like they've been toying with the format a few different times over the years. Um, but in its current state, um, they will go with uh, four pods of three teams. And essentially it's a, a round robin. Uh, the three teams all play each other. Um, and if you're two and zero. Oh, then obviously there is no conflict, but if everybody finishes one and one or two teams finish at one and one or however that works, um, they don't actually give you the, the head to head tiebreaker. Um, if it's all three teams, it's something like the highest seed advances. And so um, it really pays to be a top four seed. So that that's how that works. Top seed advances. Um, and then they have like a single elimination semifinal and final um, like, like the SEC tournament does. Um, as well there but um, the object is to try and save you know pitches for the pitchers uh, and try and keep their arms fresh um, moving into the NCAA regionals I believe that's what the conference has, is trying to emphasize is for teams not to have to be throwing you know five or six games in the ACC tournament um, and then have to play the regionals the next weekend and deplete the staffs but speaking of regionals uh, Florida State was not announced as one of the top 20 uh, predetermined sites. Brett kind of gave you a few thoughts early on on the fact that he was shocked. Uh, I think we're both shocked. The Knowles, I believe, wholeheartedly deserve to at least be in the top 20 of that conversation um, for many different reasons. Um, and the RPI just, to me, doesn't tell the whole story, uh, especially in a year like this, where you just don't really have a lot of cross-pollination, as the D1 baseball folks put it, for the RPI to, to really kind of take shape and and be able to give you accurate pictures of how good teams are. Um, and to see teams like South Carolina and Gonzaga um, and Louisiana Tech, which no doubt the Charlotte, for them to be having, they're having great seasons. Uh, South Carolina really isn't. I don't understand that one. Um, but um, without, you know, with all due respect to those programs, you've essentially cut out major power five schools just because of the way that their conference decided to set up their schedules. Yeah, so I, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and they kind of range a bit. But first of all, I mean, the ACC just put these ACC teams in a bad position. Um, you know, I mean, Louisville, I think it's 55 or so, and um, you know, Florida State's 48 now, Clemson's 49, VT's 53. Um, you know, none of these teams are that low. And it's just – it's just – I mean, they had no chance, basically, given the fact that they're going to go straight off of RPI – um, you know, I mean, some of these RPI games, I mean, it makes no sense. Florida State won a series against Clemson and dropped nine spots in the RPI because they won the series against Clemson. Even if they had swept the series, they would have dropped. And going into the weekend, Clemson was a quadrant one team. Um, I don't know what you want Florida State to do there. Um, I'm guessing you just want them to. I don't know what, what, what is Florida state supposed to do in that scenario to improve their resume? I mean, it, it, it just makes no sense. I mean, 
when this came out, Florida State had as many or more quadrant one wins than 16 of the 20 teams that were selected. A lot of those were SEC teams. It's not just some of these smaller schools, um, you know, going into the weekend, Florida State was 13 and 10 against quadrant one teams, one, two more games against quadrant one teams this weekend. Uh, 37 of 44, 40, uh, I mean, 40 of 47 of Florida State's games have been against Q1 or Q2 teams. Um, Gonzaga was a team that was picked. Um, they're three and five against quadrant one teams. 18 of their 40 games had been against quadrant four teams when this came out. South Carolina is 12 and 15 against quadrant one teams, 12 and 12 in their conference play, and had lost three straight series going into the decision making process. These are all numbers going into the decision making process. Southern Miss was six and seven against quadrant one teams. 19 of their 48 games have been, had been against quadrant four teams. 22 of Louisiana Tech's 46 games had been against quadrant four teams. Um, I mean, make it make sense. It, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's Florida state. You know, I saw some people in my mentions were like, well, we didn't, this team didn't deserve a regional. Well, according to every poll, Florida state's a top 20 team. So I think Florida state, deserved a regional they played well enough to deserve a regional since the sweep against Pitt, they've done everything to right the wrong um it, it, it just it makes no sense i, I like i said I, I was just shocked and i think a lot of people in the program were um but you know honestly this might be a good thing for florida state might you know light that fire like they've had all season and you know they've played on well on the road so um you know it is it is what it is at this point but you know it's tough not to even have the chance to have a, a regional in tallahassee this season I think for me, Brett, that's what it goes back to is whether or not Florida State deserved a regional. I I don't know. I can't say for sure um, whether they would have in the end to not even give them a chance to kind of earn it and prove it over the last final weeks. That's kind of the kicker for me. Was Florida State a top 16 team? You could argue yes or no there. Um, Were they a top 20 team? Absolutely. And that to me is what's – I want to know who the NCAA – you know, chose as those first, you know, those, those, those final four, we'll call it the final four, right? It's like the, who are the, who are the last four in, in your top 20? And I want to know what those programs were because we could pick apart their, you know, their, their resumes. Um, if you're going to rely on RPI, which it seems like the NCAA did, can you tell me why Fairfield isn't hosting a regional? Their RPI of three, 33 and one on the year. I mean, Shouldn't those folks be a little upset, Brett? I mean, Fairfield should be pretty upset, in my opinion. They deserve a chance at a regional. Oh, wait, no, because that's ridiculous. Uh, it makes no sense. So how, how do you choose that the RPI all of a sudden matters when Florida State can win two out of three against Clemson and their RPI drops 10 spots? I mean, like, FS- just- FSU's strength of schedule is 26th. And you're 28 and 19, you're nine games over 500, and your RPI is 48. I, I haven't, I just have no words at some point. I mean, I mean, like we talked about earlier, I mean, Pitt has no chance now basically of getting a regional and they're one of the 20 teams that have a chance. I mean, Florida state could go off and win the ACC tournament. And does it even matter? I mean, does it matter? Like what, what's the point of the tournament? If, if everything, if it's already been decided that you can't host a regional. hundred percent agree. You basically eliminated the Clemson series, the NC state series, and the pitch, uh, excuse me, and the ACC tournament um, from mattering. Where in the past, part of the fun of college baseball was that like final week, you know, in the conference tournaments, where like you're reading about everyone's case and their stock reports and and how close they are and, and why this week matters at Hoover and why this you know week matters at uh, Oklahoma City, um, where they do the Big Twelve tournament at times, or or why this matter, tournament matters in, in Durham, where they did the ACC tournament for a number of years. It usually meant a lot. And now you're essentially, you're essentially keeping Florida State from, from having a chance and other schools from having a chance. I just mentioned NC State in a normal year would also be fighting for a regional spot right now to be a, to be a host. I mean, I saw, I saw some people and I heard a couple of people, you know, talking about, well, that FGCU loss must have done Florida State in. Well, first of all, it was already decided. It was decided before the FGCU games happened who had the regional second of all FGCU was a, um, I mean, I think they're right below 50 in RPI. FGCU dropped two spots in RPI from it. The reason Florida State isn't hosting is because of a loss to Jacksonville, 
um, which the guy had three home runs and they lost by one. Um, you know, a loss to North Florida on opening day when your ace, who's been great the whole season, just didn't have it that day. And uh, a loss to Boston College in which you stranded, I think, 14 runners on a Sunday in a series that you had already won. Those three games alone have bas- basically killed Florida State's chances of having um, a regional Tallahassee. Um, while they should have won those games, it shouldn't have cost them. I mean, that's not that doesn't define who this Florida State team is. If you played Jacksonville 10 more times this season, I'm thinking you beat them 10 times. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me that midweek games and a Sunday game in a series you've already won can decide whether or not you're, you're a, a regional hosting team. And if RPI wants to tell me that Florida State's the 48th best team in the country, then is Florida State – I mean, what, are there 30 major league teams playing in, in, in college baseball right now? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it can make sense, as you said. It's tough, you know, but they are – it is what it is. I think, you know, whining about it the rest of the, the time is, is, isn't going to be a productive um, – a productive uh, exercise. So it is what it is. Florida state's going to have to accept being on the road this year, but you know what FSU can do is just continue to play well on the road the way that they have. Uh, and the Knowles now um, 14 RPI quad one wins. Uh, that That's loud. And there are 19 ACC wins and uh, they have played really well. A number of straight series wins. So Brett um, for FSU, as they move into NC state, um, and really into the ACC tournament, we'll do a we'll do a podcast next week as well. Um, what do you think the keys are for this FSU team moving forward uh, if they want to uh, reach their dreams of of making it to Omaha? Um, I mean, the you know, you know, Dylan Simmons back coming along, I think could be a really big key, and I think it will because I think Dylan's a streaky hitter, and you know, coming into the season, Dylan was on a hot streak, couldn't get out then just went into cold streak and wasn't really given an opportunity to climb out of that starting to now. Um, you know, I think his back could re- be a really big key. Um, you know, as always, just play that clean defense, like you said early in the season, or I think in your preseason prediction, you know, that, that 90, 970 mark will get you there. Um, I think Nander playing more confident could be a big thing. His footwork has been a bit timid the last couple of weeks, but I think, you know, the way he was playing before he ever got injured this season, if Florida State can get that version of Nander, then I think you're in a good spot as well. Um, you know, Florida State's right on that 970 mark right now, 50 percentage wise. So if that can tick up a little bit, get a couple more of these error-free games, um, and, you know, you don't give up the free passes on the mound, which they've done a good job of this year. Um, you get the home run ball. I think this team's got a good, pretty good chance. Uh, one last thing is just get Robbie Martin to see, you know, a couple bloopers fall and I think he'll get himself going. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good points there from you, man. Um, we'll have fun up there. I know you're in New York city. Uh, congrats to, uh, your sister for, for, for graduating and, uh, down here in Miami, uh, where my sister graduated, uh, as well. So, um, glad we could make this work, uh, from zoom. Uh, we apologize to those of you um, if the audio quality is not as good as it, as you're used to hearing it, um, we'll make it work the best way that we can uh, over the next few weeks. And Brett, uh, without giving away everything, I mean, what are the plans for uh, Brett and Ebbett this summer? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm exp- I'm going to AC's tournament in Charlotte next week. Uh, planning to go to wherever we go for regionals. Planning to go wherever we go for super regionals. Planning to go to Omaha if we go to Omaha. Um, and then after that, I'll be working for Katuik the Katuit Cataliers and Cape Cod League for the summer, um, writing and covering that team. So uh, if you're a Florida State fan, you can become a Katuit fan this summer because I'm sure I'll be tweeting even more this summer about, about those guys. So um, if you like baseball, Cape Cod League is the best place to get college baseball in the summer. And I know you don't want to put out there without their permission, but are there Florida State players that are going to be on Katuit? Um, I think there's a couple that might have some temporary spots there before the draft. So um, we'll have to see if those guys show up and show out before the draft season. All right. Well, cool. Congratulations on, on that gig. And um, we'll keep doing this uh, podcast uh, throughout the baseball season. Sunday Golds. you can listen to it on Apple Pods. You can listen to it on uh, Spotify, on Google Podcasts as well. Um, on Apple Pods, uh, if you could leave us a review, we would appreciate that. If, if you are enjoying this podcast, um, please give us five stars if you can. But more importantly, please share this with your friends. Uh, if they love Florida State baseball um, and they want content um, on their drives from, you know, from the house to work or to the to the park or uh, if you're traveling in the postseason and 
and you want to listen um, on your way to some of the games or uh, just doing chores and, and uh, errands around the house and around your town. Uh, we do appreciate it. We know that you're a, with a Florida State loves its baseball. Uh, Brett and I love baseball, and uh, we would love to keep doing this with you um, for the uh, rest of this season and into next year as well. But uh, you can tweet at us at Ari Masudi at Brett PN on Twitter, uh, email us at Sunday Golds Pod. That's a, a gmail.com account, Sunday Golds Pod, uh, Gmail. And you can find us on our Twitter account at Sunday Golds as well. So 630, 630, uh, one o'clock, NC State against Florida State. I believe the Wolfpack have started to find themselves in some top 25 rankings. So we've got a top 25 showdown to end the regular season. Brett, any final words before we sign off? Good. Good. Go Knowles, I guess. All right. 6.30, 6.30, 1 o'clock. Until we talk to you next time, he's Brett Nevitt. I'm Mario Masudi, and we will chat with you, hopefully, uh, with a happy week as the Seminoles take on the Wolfpack.